millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Get to the Good Stuff with Jack Skipper. Uh, my guest this week is the legendary DJ Fat Tony. Um, we have a very interesting in-depth chat. Um, it does go a bit deeper than the previous episodes. Um, you know, we, we touch on subjects like uh, uh, addiction and mental health. Um, I mean, he, he he does talk about shitting himself as well, so it's <laughs> it's still on brand. Uh, but no, it does it does go a bit deeper than um, than previous episodes. Um, but I think that's that's what this podcast is about. It's about um, you know, cutting the bullshit, just getting straight to it, just be honest and authentic, and uh, that's definitely what you do get from uh, from Tony. Um, if you haven't read his book yet, yet I um I recommend it. It's uh he's got a what an interesting life, and he explains it so well. But anyway, that's enough from me. Let's get to the good stuff. Everyone tells you, I, I get stopped like so many times a day now, literally like yeah. 20, 30 times a day if I'm in the West End, yeah. non-stop, and people will always go to you, Oh, your book's so funny. I'm like, what chapter are you on? Oh, yeah, chapter five or six. I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll speak to you in a few weeks, mate. Message me on yeah. after you read it because it gets really dark really quick because it goes yeah. in. Do you know what I mean? Because that's, that's the way to do it, though, isn't it? Is, get, um, is it recorded? Um, but that is, the, that is the way to 
start him off light, get him on side. Of course. So, so it's got to be what? But that's why I started with shitting myself straight away with the book <laughs> because I just thought, okay, let's give them where we're going with this. Yeah, yeah. Let's not, let's not try and lead them around the garden above thinking this is going to be like a walk in the park because it's not. But you know, very little happens when you're three. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like when you get to 10 and 20 and 15 and 16, that's when real drama happens. You go yeah. in everybody's lives. When you're three and four, it's, you don't really do anything of your own doing. Do you yeah. get what I'm saying, Joe? You did, but you did have that thing in like from reading, the, listening to the book. That thing of like, when you talk about your brother and that thing of like being a fucker to him. Oh, uh, he's uh, a cunt. Uh, yeah, but you being a fucker to him early yeah. on, having that sort of thing. Oh, the book ends with me being a fucker to him as well. Where did that? I still come because it was jealousy. Jealousy. Yeah, where, no, where, where, where does the jealousy come from, though? Because I, I always, always wanted all the attention. It's, it really is like an addict thing, and that's why when I was like three and I had a collapsed lung, I discovered at that point in time. If I was in hospital, I got attention, I got presence. And you can, so what, you I, can from you... that moment on, I was always ill. But was you? Did you? Did you? Do you know that in retrospectively, or was that at the time? Can you remember that moment of going, "Ooh"? I can slightly remember it, but yeah. retrospectively, when you pull it, look, go back over it, and you just think, because I, I even stayed on crutches for two years, and I didn't need to even be on crutches because it was attention. Do you think I had an operation on my foot? Yeah. Right from. Like literally from halfway down my foot right yeah. the way up there, yeah. like with like hundred stitches to find a bit of glass that wasn't even in there. I uh, convinced the doctor it was in there as a child. Yeah, but I'm saying, was there a point where it was like, would like, would you get lots of attention? Then your brother come along, and then you was like, I need that back. Yeah, and oh, you, that, there was a moment of so. That. So when my family, my old brother was always in trouble. So he wasn't really my brother. He's my half brother. He's right. my brother, but you know, yeah, yeah. I still like to say he's not my brother. But yeah. yeah, he was always so he was always in trouble. And then the, the little one came, there's four years in between us all. Yeah. Right, so it's four between Kevin and me and, and then four years between me and Dean. Yeah. When Dean came along, yeah. you know, suddenly my mum and dad weren't there. My mum, you know, and my mum had been ill around that time after that. So I blamed Dean for that as well. Yeah. So Dean came along and suddenly it was all about the fucking baby and not about Tony. So I right. moved, moved Dean underneath the, the, the phone used to be on the wall. I moved his pram and put it underneath the phone. So the phone would ring and wake him up, stuff like that. <laughs> like literally, <laughs> like really, like really, like worked it all out. But that's the thing. Like I think that's come across in the book that you're a piss taker. Oh, totally, hundred <laughs> percent, completely. Where, where's that come from, man? I just, I think I was born a cunt. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I, yeah. like, I really do. Do you know what I mean? It's like in me. It never leaves you. It doesn't. <laughs> I was yeah, going to say. Right. I wear it around my neck in diamonds. Oh, yeah, you, know you do. Yeah. You wear it well. Well, because it's... You suits know, you. It's, it's who I am. Totally suits me. But you know what? It suits me too well. Yeah, yeah. And when I go into that kind of mode, because I'm not really... I'm a... Uh, uh, there's so many different types of cunt. I'm, uh, yeah. I can be a clever cunt. I can be a funny cunt. I can be a nasty cunt, but I yeah. don't like to be a nasty cunt because the only no. person I'm nasty to is myself. Yeah. I'm not nasty to other people. I will, I will eternalise that and, and bash shit out myself. I think if you are a cunt, you, a cunt becomes a term of endearment, doesn't it? Oh, really? To is. other cunts, you yeah, go, oh, of course you it is. Yeah, yeah, you can't. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're only start. a cunt to, to the ones you love. Oh, for exactly. sure. Always. Yeah, exactly. Always. Yeah. And, you know, and you're only a cunt to yourself because you don't love yourself. Yeah. And, like, that's where it come, That's where it all, it, it all gets very blurred. But the word cunt is like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a lovable thing. I it think. is. Well, it is. It's Everyone like, uses it. It's one of those like things. Oh my god, I don't like that word. Fuck off. You're yeah. in an argument. You don't. I think that's more of an American thing. Yeah. You know, don't pretend you don't like that word because everyone likes that it word. It makes me feel like like talk, not. I don't shit or I don't fart. Fuck off. You don't. You know what I mean? It's like when people fart out loud and people like, are, oh my god, offended by it. It's like, why are you offended by it? You yeah. do it all day long. 
I think that's uh, that's that's what the whole idea with this podcast was to get to right. Let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to it because I hate the fucking about. No, we're not fucking about. No, we're not doing that. That's what I'm saying. <sighs> like, as soon as like we started messaging about coming on this podcast, he was like, "Have you read my book?" I said, "No." You call me a cunt. Yeah, of course. <laughs> what the fuck? I, was like, I was like, like this guy. What the fuck am I coming on here for? You haven't read my book. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, love it. It's a Sunday yeah. Times bestseller, you cunt. I keep fucking saying it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but no, it is good. I am enjoying it. I am enjoying it. Do you know one thing I'm enjoying about it? Because I've always said, if I could go back in time, whatever, like fucking yeah. Victorian times, the Romans, I'd go back to like Acid House. Yeah. Because that's like... You gotta remember, we didn't have we didn't have phones, we didn't have social media. That's what I love we about it. We had to stop at a phone box to find out where we were going. Sick, that is cool. Do you know what I'm saying, Joe? Yeah. You only went in a phone box for two reasons. I had to make a proper phone call and call your dealer, B, or to find a prostitute on the cards that were advertising in there. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying, Joe? That's how we communicate. So, you, when you were at a party, you were actually at a party. That's sick. You weren't on your phone looking at everyone else at another party. You weren't messaging everyone saying, "Where are you? I'm going to come and meet you." You were actually in the moment. And that was the difference between now and then. Yeah. You know what I'm saying to you? Then we were in the moment. How does that make now, you feel about no now? No one then? is ever in the moment. Does that make you sad? I, 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 I do think that p- most people miss about 70% of what's going on around them. Because of? Because of social media. They're constantly on there looking at what everyone else is doing. And, and they forget what they're doing. They forget where they are. They don't take it in. You know, you go to a concert and you see everyone standing there filming the concert. Yeah. And looking at their phones filming the concert and not actually watching the concert. So what yeah. they're doing is they're already put this this thing in front of them and what's really going on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just put your phone down. If you want to film it, put it on a fucking tripod. Just sort of stick it against a wall and film it. But just be in the moment because that's why you're there. You've travelled all the way yeah. to Wembley or the O2, right? Yeah. From wherever it is you live, miles away, you get there, the, the, whoever it is comes on stage, Elton John, for instance, is on... You can, uh, out comes the phone, straight up. You might as well have stayed at home and got someone else to film it for you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because you're missing the magic. Are you conscious of doing that now when you're out enjoying yourself? Do you think, uh, like, how do I... Yeah, I don't really do that when I go out that much. I, I kind of... Most of mine's done at home when I'm sitting on the sofa. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Or, you know, that... But you, when you're out and about, it really pisses me off in clubs more than anything when people are just filming you. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's what we do. It's the world that we live in. And yes... The more people see you doing what we do, what you do, the better, right? Yeah. I ain't got a problem with that. I love social media, but what it does do is it detaches from where you're at. 100%. You know, you're you're constantly filming. You're not in. The, you're not feeling the music, especially something like a DJ set. There's not even much performance to even watch anyway. So you've got to be in Sometimes there. Sometimes you're there and you've got like 400, 400 camera phones in your face. Yeah, and literally just want to say to people, guys, put it down. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? When was that? When was that moment in your life where? And as a, like a young man, where it was like music, this scene is just a, this is a bit of me. Oh, the first time I ever went to a nightclub, the first time I walked into the embassy club, I was shagging this guy called Roy, and uh, yeah. I was oh, shagging Roy. Roy, <laughs> Roy lived in Battersea, and I met him. I met him in the public toilet actually in, in Battersea. Oh, that Roy. Yeah, that Roy. <laughs> you know the one, Jack. That's why you're wearing baby blue. Uh, yeah. So anyway, but he was he was he was a manager at the embassy, and I literally I was fourteen. And I turned yeah. up at the at the club and I walked in and I thought, I've arrived. Yeah. That was it. That magical moment. I just thought this is going to be my life from now on. Yeah. I just literally, I loved the energy, the just the, the, 
the, the you know the lights, the thumping music. It, it, it was just, I was always drawn to that. I was always drawn to the night. I loved the nighttime. I didn't like daytime. I was that the um, epics? Uh, early eighties was that then? Uh, yeah. Early eighties. So what was yeah. music then when you was? So it was very electro. Then. Right. Very very electro. We were on. It was just on that cusp. So like new romantic would just come in. So there was a lot of electronic music. Right. But, you know, for me to walk into there and just think, oh, my God, this is everything I've ever wanted. How old were you, sorry? I was 14, 15, 14. yeah. Canal. So that was like, um, was there was drugs big then at that time? or not? Co Cocaine and, and, and smack. Smack kind of really got a grip of, of, of London. In, in, about, in the, in the, about three years later, everyone was on it's smack. It's not a club in drug, though, is it? Or? No, but it got, it got London by the balls. There was a real major epidemic in the early 80s, mid-80s. So where would they do it? In, in clubs? Well, yeah, the people would be doing it in clubs and they'd go home or they'd be doing it at home and not get into the clubs. Right, there's yeah. a really famous line where someone, I think it was Mark Armand, said that cocaine will always get you ready for the party, but it won't get you to the party. Right. And it's so fucking true. Yeah. The amount of times I had people in my house waiting for me to get ready to go out and suddenly it's four o'clock in the morning and I'm still trying throwing clothes everywhere. Yeah. And I'd go down there and it'll be like the club shut now. I'm like, oh well we have to stay in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But literally always because yeah. I just be so power about going out of the house. Yeah. You know I mean? So that so that so the, the the love and that feeling it came for clubbing first. That first was like, of all. That was it. Straight away. It was I never ever wanted to be a DJ. I never ever set out to be a DJ. Uh there was always a love of music in my house, always on a Sunday, man. Yeah. My dad would play. My dad was one of these people that had to have the best of everything. Right. So he had the best stereo system. Yeah. Marantz. Was he a geezerish? Yeah, oh, my geezer. dad was six foot three, yeah. yeah so. Fingers like bananas. Yeah. He, he was a, a, a plumber oh, probably, uh, from Pimlico. He was like, you know, he's a, he's a fucking big man, a yeah. very big man. And, you know, everything about him was big. His attitude, the way it was. My dad taught us... You know, if we come home from school and I'd be crying because I got yeah. bullied at school or yeah. whatever, my dad would fucking drag me up to school, find out he's bullying him and make me fight Probably them. Like oh, really? Oh, yeah. Always. How did he react to, to you being gay? Never had a problem with it. Never had a problem? Never had a problem with me being gay. Never ever discussed it. Never had a problem with it. You know, when you've got people like Boy George turning up at your house when you're like 15, you know, yeah. in full, like, full 15, out. 15? Boy George turned up at your house? Yeah, 15, 16. Yeah, 16, around 16, actually. You know, my dad My dad never really... I was leaving the house at 14 in drag. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just to, to rebel yeah, as yeah. such. And my dad never just, like, look at me and go... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It but is, my dad was more... Norm, though, but, it? Yeah, of course it is. But my dad was more concerned yeah. about me being beaten up or me being attacked for who I was. That's what he had a problem with. Because you are quite tough. Had a problem right? with, you, yeah. are, you are resilient quite hard, I am, hard, yeah. Aren't you? But my dad was... My dad was um, Concern you know, for your safety rather than yeah, that's exactly what, what, it. What, what, what you were, what you were, what other people were capable of, not what I was yeah. capable of. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's that's, that's love. Yeah. yeah, you know. And I used to say to him, Dad, no one's going to mess with a six foot fucking five drag queen. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I used to yeah, wear yeah. six inch heels. I was already six foot. Yeah. At that age, you know, it was like no one's. I was bigger than anyone. Yeah. But you know, he, that's what he was more concerned with. He didn't really have a problem with my with my, me being gay. He had a problem with other people thinking that I was gay. That's so what did, he had a problem so with. So did you? you know that there's the. Oh, by the way, I can only hear about what other people tell me about the other the struggles of coming out and all that sort of thing. Did you? Was it not in your never house? Never had to come out in my house. No. Never had to. No, I mean. The, the thing about my mum and dad was when they first met, my mum was from Kings Road and my dad was from Pimlico. Right? Right. My mum came from the posh part. She's quite up the junction-ish, you know, that film from the 60s yeah. where the posh girl wanted to be poor so she hung out with her. That's kind of like my mum and my dad. Yeah, yeah. Right? And uh, my dad was a bit rough as, as far as she was concerned. But they, used, they, they met in a lesbian club called The Gate in Kings Road. Right. Back then it was like a... a 
an unheard of place, but every, you know, unless you knew it, and that's where they met. So they never really had a problem with it. Open-minded people. They were like really yeah. were. You know, my mum yeah. was a part of the swinging sixties, and my dad was too. My dad, my dad had quiff all his life. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's who my dad was. But you know, he never really had a problem with it at all. So when um, I had a problem with it, he didn't. Did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> problem with everything. <laughs> yeah, but wait. So when it was like the the clubbing, so it was the love yeah. love for the clubbing, and then what did you start DJing straight away? Or was it just nah. you was a part of the scene? No, because uh, you know uh, I was just part of the scene. So yeah. I used to go to this one club on a Tuesday night called Char Chars, which was at the back of Heaven. Then it kind of progressed onto Heaven and other clubs. But then you know what it was was uh, I went out every night of the week. Because right. I lived in Battersea. Yeah. So I, I literally lived a bus ride from, from the West End. I was I was so hook, line, and sinkered into, into Soho. Right. <sighs> Loved everything about yeah, yeah. Soho. It was in my blood. My aunt had done those streets many yeah, a year yeah. when she was on the game. And my other auntie had a brothel there. And, you know, all yeah. of that stuff that went on. So I was just, it was in my blood. And, you know, uh, I'd just be out every night of the week. And then... I had the biggest mouth possible. Like, I'd yeah. blag everything, you yeah, know, yeah, literally. Yeah. And then one night I was at a club working on the door, which I blagged. This guy, Steve Strange and Russ Egan, who basically run. Steve Strange? Yes, he, he, he was like the face of the new romantic yeah. era and that. They were doing a night, a new night at the, at the Lyceum Ballroom, yeah. which is now where the Lion King is. Right. Big place, yeah, big yeah. fucking place, yeah. right? So they did this, they started this new Saturday night and I went up to, I remember going to Rusty and he's up and going, yeah, well... You're opening a new night in here, and he was like, "Yeah, I said I'm doing one the same night." And he was like, "What?" I was like, "I'm opening one the same night, yeah, on Saturdays." And he was like, "Where?" And I said, like, oh, "I can't tell you that." And I remember the conversation and him being like, well, "Why don't you come and work for us instead of going up against us?" And I was like, "I'll think about it." Oh, and right, I remember yeah. leaving, thinking, "Yes." <laughs> Stop myself. A job. So they gave me a job working the door. I was like the picker, and I'd sit there and I'd, get, I'd give away free tickets to everyone each week and get let them, get them all in. And then every week I would say, everyone's leaving. And he'd be like, right, uh, why? And I'd be like, because the music's shit. And Rusty was a DJ himself. That's what he was famous for. And I was like, everyone is leaving. And I remember this guy called Ian Dewhurst, who was like the DJ of the time. Yeah. And I had a, for some unknown reason, I had a real problem with him because he was successful, I think. Yeah, right? sounds like you. And I think he'd been rude to me one night. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I was like... Phew. And I was literally that everyone's every time he comes on, everyone leaves. So one week, Rusty said, "If you could do better, you fucking do it." And I was like, "All right, I will." And that was it. And next, well, you knew how to mix and all that. Or you just no, you just no, no, no. I've only just learned to do that. <laughs> but no, like literally all that time, you know, it, it was just about put, playing records. It was, it was, it was about knowing what to play, knowing what to put on, knowing how to read a dance floor. Yeah, and that's been the secret to my sex because I've always read a dance floor and I've really read it well. There is definitely a you thing, know? isn't there? That's like a. I think that's a thing. I don't think that's a thing you can learn. I think that's like a thing you have. This like of being able to entertain it because you can learn technical side of things. Oh, can't you? Uh, listen, people, people can beach match, beat match. They can, they can use, they can use their laptops. You, you know when someone's doing that, right? Yeah. That's not DJing. That's yeah. selecting music. Yeah. There's a difference. There's, and then you've got DJs that listen to music, right? Yeah. Who, are, you know, listening to music don't cut it. You need to feel music. Yeah. That's yeah. what makes a good DJ. You feel the music. You feel the vibe off the dance floor. When people are dancing to you, you feel that energy. That energy yeah. goes into you. If you learn how to take that energy in, then you're capable of taking that energy onto something else and building and building. That's what a good DJ I completely agree. That's exactly what a good DJ is. Someone who sits at home selecting tunes of what they're going to play that night is a complete cunt. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, this, And then they go out and they play that set in that order. You know, 
You're not reading in a crowd. You're reading no. your record box. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Or, or you go, you got a set somewhere and someone goes on before you and they've seen you on YouTube or they've seen your videos or stuff, and they play all your tunes. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and you think, well, why are you doing that? Because that's just silly. All like the big yeah. classic, whatever. So what that does for someone like me, that gives me drive. That thinks, okay, I'm really glad you played all that old shit because that was, that's comfortable. Let me go on and be uncomfortable yeah. and play all the, what I want really should be played and take it to the next level. And it always works. Nice, man. So I have to thank those little wanky, warm-up wankers <laughs> that yeah. try to think they're the main headliner. So that, that, um, that's them eight, what, was, what would we call that scene in the 80s then? What would you call that? That scene you was a part of, what was you it? call it the 80s, innit? I mean, look, you know, it was, like, it, it was, the, ta you had, it was the talent of punk, then it was the new romantic stuff. And then after that, everyone kind of got into labels again. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of a real like dressy up kind of period. Yeah, you were well young though, weren't you? Like, me? Yeah, like I was fourteen then, so I'm younger. I'm like six years younger than most of those other people that were around then. Right. So like George, for instance, my best friend, he's like sixty two now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm fifty five. Yeah. There's a difference. Because you was there was there a thing though of you like being like attracted to the darkness? You know, the the, oh, the, the, the dark side of it was oh, just like fuck, the, man, the naughtiness. Of course, you, know, course, you know, listen. My aunt used to sit on the hill by my house, right? I, yeah. I'd come home from school and she'd be lying there drinking bottles of woodpecker cider yeah. and throwing the bottles at the bus. I was drawn to it. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She was the most magical person <laughs> in the world. Yeah. The most magical person there was. She was like a, cider at a bus. She was like a fucking wizard. <laughs> you know what I mean? She was like, oh my God, she's yeah. incredible. She don't give a fuck. Fighting yeah. people on the street at the bus stop for shouting her. Like literally punching yeah. people and rolling around the grass. I loved her. I was drawn <laughs> yeah, yeah. to it. Whereas my dad who had a drink problem, I weren't drawn to that because he didn't have the insanity. Yeah. And he ins you give me insanity, I'm drawn to it. Yeah. Love fucking insanity. Insane people are my favourite people. Is that right? You like to cause the madness as well. That was a well, you know what? You, you know, there's, there's people in, in life that draw the magic out of you or they draw the insanity out of you. Yeah. I used to always be with the ones that drew the insanity out of me. Because yeah. I had to be more insane than them. Today it's a different thing. I like the magic more than I do the insanity. Yeah. But yeah, I've always been drawn to it. Always, man. Yeah. You know, every boyfriend, every relationship, always been insane. Right. And, I, you know, I could put a hand on it. They've all been mental. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like for like, isn't it? I'm just wondering if, if, this, if, that, if that life found you or did you find that life, though? Is there, or is there like that, that, that sort of attraction of it? Though? Is it, it was always going to happen. You're going to gravitate towards madness. Because what's the story? Tell me, you, Gabby, you first done drugs. Oh, no, it's boring, that story now. Yeah, yeah like, literally... Yeah. It, like it's, it, you know what it was I, I told that story as a part yeah. of a conversation and then it suddenly went on to be a tagline of my fucking life right. no, Freddie Mercury gave me my first line of coke I was pretty big though yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it's a major story yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah. but, it, but it's one of those things that wasn't a boast it was actually a part of a conversation and of course people love to take a tagline and uh, it's like uh, the other one was for I did this mixed mag documentary and it was like I spent over a million pounds on drugs as a part of a conversation yeah and suddenly it's like, oh my God, he's boasting. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, I, I was like, it is a shocking thing to do, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah it is. Yeah, but yeah. I wasn't a pools winner. Yeah, I didn't yeah. win the pools and yeah. I didn't win any lottery. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If anything, it was a failure. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That kind of spending that kind of money or spending your life destroying everything and you come into touch with it is yeah. not a win situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all those kind of taglines always make it sound like that you are. And I mean, that night I was outside heaven. I was 15, stood there freezing cold yeah. all night long in a T-shirt, Pierucci T-shirt. Yeah. Um, and I stood there and then all night long people were like walking in and I was too scared to go in because it was a men only thing. Yeah. And, and I was just too scared to go in. 
I could, I'd, I'd already been out clubbing every like, all the all the time, like at, at char chars and stuff like that. Mm. Because it was men only, it, it was a different dynamics. I was really scared about it. And all these guys were all night long going, and security started taking the piss, going, you're right, mate, what are you waiting for? I was like, I'm waiting for my friend. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, of course you are. And then these, these two old queens that worked in a coffee bar right opposite had clocked me, and then they started saying stuff. So I was getting all like, yeah. anyway, this little group of mate of guys walked in, and they were like, nice T-shirt. And I was like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, like, a bit like you and your baby blue. Yeah, thanks. You know. <laughs> thanks. And, um, I'm waiting for you to say it. You know that, nice T-shirt. <laughs> uh, great tits. And... Um, <laughs> And they said literally the same thing. And I was like, oh. And then they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, waiting for my mate. And they were like, the, the security guard went, no, you ain't. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I am. And they were like, why didn't you come with us? And that was it. I didn't know who Freddie Mercury was. How did you not know who Freddie Mercury was? Because it was, it was, Queen wasn't on our playlist at oh. home. Oh, okay. You've got to remember, there was a real gap between Queen being Queen. They had done what they did in the 70s, and then they went quiet for a while. Oh, okay. And then they had a resur resurgence when they brought out... I want to be free and all that oh, stuff. Right. I want to break free. So there was this real gap in between that. And it was at the kind of talent towards yeah. that gap. So I didn't know who Freddie was. Um, I'd heard of Queen, obviously, but they, no one mentioned Queen when we were in heaven. Yeah. And then they always say, oh, we're going back to Holland Park. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, I'll come. Yeah. Right, because bearing in mind, I told my mum I was away with the scouts that weekend. <laughs> and I had nowhere else to go. So, so I'd be prepared. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I went off, I trotted. And uh, yeah, no, that, that was it, really. They, they gave me, someone offered me a line of coke, and I was like, I don't do drugs. And that was it. I kind of just did it. And I remember hating it. But, it, but this is what I mean about like, <coughs> like you just standing there, and then Freddie Mercury comes along, you end up going back to Freddie Mercury. That's what I mean. This stuff gravitates towards you. It does, this, yeah. This, this weirdness. It's happened like that all my life. That's what I'm saying. I wonder why that. Is there, is there an element of. Into the mic. Is there an element of you, like, if you would have just. If you, if you would have not gone into that club you would have done a bit of plumber would madness have still happened do you know what like, I mean is that your sliding doors moment or is that yeah. one of many I think it's one of many you know look, listen there's so been so many of those situations and I kind of think that though they happen for a reason they don't it's not just you know it's just like I didn't happen to suddenly stumble across that people yeah. come into your life for a reason and I don't know I don't know what my destiny is or what, or what I'm put on this earth for but I truly believe that there's been so many of those insane moments like you know George Meeting George, boy George, as for instance, yeah. I worked in a shop in Kings Road. I got kicked out of school at 14 for having sex with my drama teacher. Got thrown out, asked drama, drama, <laughs> yeah. drama lots of drama. Yeah. And I remember, you know, like being, and I went and got this job in the Kings Road in a news agents where I would steal all the money out of Teal, go down the road and buy loads of clothes from a shop called Jones. And then go back to work the next day, head to Tony, designer clothes, and no one ever... You're just a little fucker, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> right. and then, but when I left there, when I worked in the Great Gear Market, yeah. sold so much money every yeah. day. Like, like I would leave with 800, 900 quid. That's a lot of money in the 80s yeah. a day. And we would turn up next week and they like, next day to work, and she'd be like, you look nice. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, thanks. Just getting away with it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Always getting away with shit in life. So where was this Where was this nice side of you when you were there with Freddie Mercury and they're like, do you want drugs? You're like, no. Because I'm, I'm, I didn't read drugs. Well, you know, I'd seen what drugs did to, yeah. to like, my like my, my dad and my mum and stuff like, not my mum, but I saw my, my dad sort of going down that path with, with alcohol and I just thought, it's not for where I want to be in life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to be beating my wife up on a Sunday morning because yeah. I drank too much scotch or, or any of that situation. So it wasn't really something I went to or was drawn to. But you know what? I kind of just, it took, it was a big gap between doing that first line and then doing it every week. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. You know. well, what was the turning point there then? When it started, 
For the lifestyle, wouldn't alcohol it? again. Oh, alcohol. Really? Started getting really pissed and going into blackout and wanting to fight everyone. Yeah. And like literally, my mate would be like, "Look, you need to you need to sober up. Have a line of this." And I'd be like, yeah. "Don't want a line of that." And he'd be like, "It will keep your weight longer and you can drink more." And I was like, "I'll have some." Yeah, yeah. And anything that I thought would keep me awake longer and make me be able to drink more yeah. was a fucking win, right? Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And I, I remember the first week I did it on a Saturday night, I was like. Oh, Fucking hate that. I was awake all night praying, and I thought oh, I'll take some acid to calm to, yeah. to calm down. <laughs> like ended up yeah. two, yeah. two, two window yeah. panes. Yeah. Ended up at fucking Regents yeah. Park Zoo, yeah. like with my mate. Like I found nuts, like trying to steal rabbits and things. Yeah. But like completely, you know. And that was it. And I then then on the Monday I was like, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. Following Saturday, exactly the same. Uh, I think there's a funny thing though. Like this this little fucker who. Shags drama teachers, yeah. nicks things. How can it get any worse? And it was like, give him some drugs. I was drawn to that. You know, everyone would go after work to the Chelsea Potter in Kings Road and they'd all be like, oh, they'll all be drinking snake bite. I'd be straight on the Jack Daniels. Yeah. So, and then we're like, oh, it's, it's Monday night, I'm just going to have a beer. I'd be like, triple Jack Daniels and Coke. Like, yeah. literally, just. Uh, Going for it. Like, Can I just ask a question? It seems like, I mean, I don't know if it, if it's different today, but it seems like there was kind of like a a circuit or a route, route or, or like there was, a, it seems like it was a little, a little bit closer knit, the community. Well, yeah, it was because you know what? London didn't, you know, obviously you had Peckham and you had everywhere else still, they existed, but they weren't areas to hang out in. Yeah. There was no, the West, the West End was the West End. Yeah. So it was four streets in the centre of London that had all the action on. Shoreditch didn't, Shoreditch was Shoreditch. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. run down area of London. There was no nightlife going on there. There was no clubs there until much later on when trade opened in Clerkenwells, when Turnmills turned into, from a wine bar into a nightclub. Yeah. And it was that slow build. So the West End, everyone knew each other. Mm. Everyone knew each other. Sounds quite and, nice. Sounds like a good thing. But like also, it? you know, everyone had to find their own platform. Yeah. Right, you didn't have social media. You couldn't sit at home and pretend that you're a stand-up comedian yeah. by posting the same old shit yeah, day in and day. I don't know if it's no, in general. Find your own platform. So you had to do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine was being vocal. Yeah, mine was like in being your a cunt. Wanted to fight. <laughs> literally. I mean, the first thing I ever said to George was, "Who does your hair? It's shit." <laughs> and George was like, "What?" And I was like, "Your hair is shit. They're not dreadlocks. They're shitlocks." You had a point. And that was the first <laughs> thing I said to him. Yeah, yeah. And that was it. After that, he was like, I fucking hate you. And I was like, and that's it. We became best friends. Yeah, kind of as well. You know, yeah, of course. Anyone <laughs> that, you know, I, 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 I always used to have this theory that anyone I, have, I start off having a fight with always ends up to be my best friend. Yeah. Because it's always, you, it's that like for life and you see yourself in them. You think, yeah. I'm going to challenge that cunt. I'm mm. not having him outdo me. Do you get what I mean? And off you go. When you used to get off your head though, did you, did you ever have the, oh, what have I done thing? Or did you not give a shit? No, always. You on did a, have On it. a Tuesday, what have yeah. I done? Yeah. Or, you know, when I got Tuesday. Always on Tuesday. Tuesday was always on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. Literally, that was what it was like. You'll hear it in the book when you get to read it properly, you can. But like, at the, towards the end, it was, you know, always, I, I would be, I, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't I really didn't mean to do that. Sorry, just came out of my mouth, like, before I'd even, like, you know, literally, it was like, oh, sorry. Yeah. You know, I'm always saying sorry. And it meant nothing. But, you know, I'd always think, oh, I can't do this anymore. And then suddenly I'd, I'd had this magical thing, which didn't happen very rarely, yeah. called sleep. Yeah. 
Right. And as soon as I slept, it re-kicked in and restarted the button again. And the next day, I'd be like, I'm not drinking today. Yeah. Come four o'clock in the afternoon, already pissed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And now off out the door again. Did booze, like, uh, did it check? Because I have this thing, I, I think booze can either enha- like enha- or be a different version of someone or it just fucking changes someone. Then. Yeah, no, no, no. Did it's it? a chemical reaction in different yeah. people. It's a, you know, certain people get really nasty on certain spirits because yeah. that's a chemical reaction. That's an, an allergy. That's an, you become allergic to certain things. And my dad, if he drank scotch, he got really violent. So he was allergic to scotch. Yeah, yeah. Right? If he drank beer, he was as happy as Larry. Yeah. You know, certain people I know drink anything and they have so much fun to be around. You give them a glass of white wine, fucking hell, do you know what I mean? That's it. So there's certain things, you know, certain levels, it's about finding where you're at. With me, I would drink fucking anything. And I was a fun... I thought I was the most funniest cunt in the world. But <laughs> no one else was thinking I, so. Oh, no, they weren't. <laughs> oh, they Because they wanted to be around me. Oh, right, yeah. Listen, and, and those, you know, I, we would have... We would just literally take the fucking piss out of everyone. Still do, you can't. Uh, yeah, too, but it's a different <laughs> way now. Do you get what I mean? <laughs> I'm not drunk. I think we've overdone that word. I'm just... Yeah, cunt, I know, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's when, I, when, we, when we had to do the edit on my book, I, we had to, I took 47 cunts out of the book. <laughs> I was like, that don't need to be in there. Mike's like, but that's what you said. And I'm like, it doesn't need yeah. to be in there. Like, oi, all right, Tony, you go. <laughs> yeah. Take it out. 47 yeah. were removed. Well, we're now. The publishers were very happy with the 47 removed. Yeah. There was, um, I, I bet you probably haven't got an answer for it, but is there like one bender? Where you, that was a big one. That was like <laughs> uh, me, you mean? I'm yeah, the biggest yeah. bender. Oh yeah, not like that. Uh, no. <laughs> one session. <laughs> one session. Yeah. Yeah. Just, what did you just call me? She got really offended. Did you fucking just call me? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't come here to get homophobically abused. Do you know what I mean? Liar. <laughs> I'm not the one wearing baby blue jacket. Yeah. I need to clarify that question. Was there, was it one What's session. That? Yeah. No, that, you don't remember. There was so many. Of them. Or was it like a twenty-year? I mean, look, you know, it's twenty-eight years of using and abusing. It, yeah? The first ten was kind of fun, and the last eighteen weren't fun at all. There was there were there was magical moments all the way along. Don't get me wrong. There were certain bits, but there were so many times where it would go on and go on, and I'd end up in fucking A and E or in like secure units because I was I because I, my you know that I, I there was there's one time where. I was in a club called Fred's, which was a private members club uh, in Soho. And I left there and I suddenly found myself in Liverpool Street Station. Right. I lived in Brick Lane at the time. Right. And, I was, and I was running around Liverpool Street Station chasing my mates. And literally they were all, and I'd go out and they're all sitting in the car and I was banging on the car window. Let me in, let me in, come on, I want to get in. They weren't there. And they were all morphing into walls. Whoa. They were behind like... Um, I was—I literally—I remember being at one point in the road, banging on the car window, and this guy gets out, and I'm like, "Let me in, come on, we've got to go." And, and he was like, and I was like, "Danny," and it wasn't, and it suddenly it wasn't Danny. And then I remember this guy coming up to me, going, "You're mental, mate. You're absolutely mental." I remember him saying it to me, and I was like, "Fuck off, who are you?" And literally, it took me about—I was there for about two and a half hours, and I got home. The police found me, took me to my house, yeah. um, and I, there, we had these big gates outside the house, these metal gates. And, and all my friends were standing behind the gates laughing at me and wouldn't let me in. And, and I was like, please let me in. The police had driven off. They just yeah. dumped me out of the car and couldn't wait to get rid of me. Yeah. And, I, and I remember standing there like, going, let me in, let me in. And, and they were all morphing into the walls. It was just bizarre. And what happened was I ended up in bed and I was eating soup in bed. And my boyfriend came in and went, what are you doing? I was like, I'm having soup. He was like, 
you do realize that there's nothing there, right? And I was like, what? And I was literally, <laughs> and I was going, come with me, ask them, ask them. And there was a big party going on in my living room. Like there was about 30 people. And I was, I, I was having conversations with them. I was sitting with them, getting them drinks and everything. Is that what psychosis is? is that, yeah, is that they weren't there. My drug, uh, it got my drugs, I drink. Yeah, or was it by both. I think it was the lack of sleep and I think it was like, you know, I'd like to think someone spiked my drink, which was always a good excuse for everything. Yeah. But no one's spiking my drink. Not the people I hung around with. They yeah. were too tight. Spiking your own drink. Do you know what I'm saying to you? And it yeah. literally went to that level and I kind of just thought I'm never going to come back. I remember laying down and opening my eyes and jumping out of bed and we had, the bed was up by the ceiling. It was yeah. like, like uh, built on stilts. Yeah. And I jumped out and I knocked myself out on the floor. I came around the hospital and I, just, I remember them saying, look, you know, you need to go to, we're going to put you into a secure unit for your own safety. Because they thought I tried to kill you. Yeah. Fuck it all, man. And of course, you know, I'd leave those places, leave hospital, go home. And I'm out again, straight away. Yeah. You know, as soon as I had a story to tell, that was it. So was it, was, was the 80s more sort of like, partying and not abusing yeah. the stuff the, the yeah. 80s was more booze yeah uh the 90s at the end of 80 the end of the 80s we went into acid house yeah which was a fucking amazing time yeah, in london man. around the world you know ecstasy changed everything uh, changed absolutely everything you know i'd slept with half the acf uh, the icf before like uh, the um before the end of the, the middle of the 90s, uh, the, you know, the inner city firm, the ICF, yeah, yeah. I'd slept with half of them for the nights because of ecstasy. Oh, really? Yeah, literally, the biggest <laughs> football hooligan. Get <laughs> off. Like, oh, coming out to me and like, you know, I had one boyfriend, I won't say his name, he used to come around my house and put a gun in my mouth and like, fucking mental. <laughs> and like, then he'd go off, oh, I've got to go meet the missus and stuff like that. Like, completely insane. Get off. Yeah, like, you know, because that was all due to, because of ecstasy and acid house. Yeah. Acid House changed a lot of people's... I didn't know it did that. It did. Because, <laughs> you know, what happens is it really opened people up. Yeah, yeah. It was really clean drug. And then suddenly that, you know, that as people decided to change recipes and, and make things their own and start selling it again. Yeah. Because the first ecstasy we used to take used to come from New York. Right. Um, and it was so, we used to get in little brown bottles and we'd put, like, five dots and do a dice. It was insane. And you'd get that shutter vision. So is this late 80s, early 90s, that... No, uh, yeah, this is, yeah. Uh, eight, so was nine, it, that, what was it, you were tablets then? No, it weren't tablets. We'd yeah. get grand bottles. Right. And we'd do little five dots on our hand and snort it, and then we'd get shutter vision, where the, everything was like, and you'd get like, uh, you know, yeah. that, 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 that feeling was insane. Well, so nothing is like that, ever no, like that since? Nothing ever was like that after that. Right. You know, it all started suddenly getting cut or suddenly getting, the recipe got changed. Yeah. It was really good for about six, seven months. I mean, was that, Obviously, yeah, you just explained all the dark times and all the mental shit that was going on, but was that like was there sort of good, me just mainly good memories of that sort oh, of time? Oh, of course, it? there was. Yeah, you listen, the first you know, I'd go up to people I fucking hated and say, oh, I love you, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean, I'm really sorry I was horrible to you, I'm really sorry I cut your girlfriend's hair off or whatever, yeah, know? like literally just insane, yeah, and they'd be like, Oh, yeah, you're all right, you know. And then it was like the drugs would wear off and you'd think the next day, fuck it, an hour. Yeah. Or you'd wake up with someone in your house and you'd think, what the fuck is he doing here? Yeah. Do you get what I mean? That's, that, that's, like, the, that's like one of the biggest things. Like, it's like a rebellion type thing, wasn't it? That it was. Acid House was a rebellion. Yeah. You know, we'd just been gone through the Thatcher years and suddenly we had, we, being, being a gay man, we'd gone into like No Clause 28 and we'd gone into all of these things and we'd gone into poll tax riots and everything yeah. else that went on. Yeah. You know, we were being most oppressed, you know, people in the world. Our country was fucking on the brink, like it is again at the moment. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because you bring back some like ecstasy. We, we, Get some more of that stuff. We need an acid house explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. We need that. Yeah. Yeah, we need, well, that's exactly what we need. We yeah. need an acid house explosion. Yeah, yeah. We need something along those lines where we find freedom again. Did it feel like that at the time? Did it feel like this it was, it really something's was. happening? Something yeah, happening it really now. was. You yeah. know, suddenly we've gone from these small parties to actually these massive fucking fields yeah. of 50,000 people. Yeah. You know, was it only good stuff happening then parties as well? Because if everyone's all loving, then that is yeah, it really was. And then suddenly, what happens is when some things, what happens is it's like it's like nature, right? Something grows, it becomes really, you know, small, and suddenly it gets bigger and bigger, and suddenly it becomes really beautiful. Yeah. Right. Then it has to die. Right. right. For something new to go, and that's exactly what happened with Acid House. It got really big, really quick. It was amazing, and then suddenly started to wilt and die because it, it got criminalized. It got criminalized really Gangsta quickly. Making money out of it, basically. Totally. Let's yeah, put yeah. on this rave. Let's get that one on. Yeah, and yeah. I would find myself working for the biggest scum under the, on the yeah. planet that weren't in it for the music and weren't in it for for what Acid House stood for. They were in it to make money. Yeah. And they would put on these big events, charge everyone, and, and treat people like shit. You know, yeah. there would be guns suddenly arrive in, as okay. I said, and, and it, just the whole feeling changed. And suddenly the drugs started getting cheaper and cheaper in the sense of what they were cutting them with. Wasn't, wasn't and people the started dying. Didn't the government start shutting it down? Yeah, then? because it got so big. Because, and, because of that, so there was a reason was, to yeah, shut it down. Then. It was organised crime very wow. quickly. I always thought it was like a thing of like they, they, they couldn't criminal handle. criminal justice bill, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. I always thought it was more of a thing that they couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle it, but they, you know, they shut the motorways down and stuff like that because of these raves. I mean, there were times when I used to have to go cross country with my record boxes, yeah. not on my own, of course, but like with yeah. people carrying the record boxes, of course, because you know, <laughs> didn't want to hurt my hands. But I like, would go have to go cross country over barbed wire fences, through this, through that, covered in cow shit, just to get to a gig. And what was it like when you turn up to these things? It fucking it was insane, proper good, literally insane. It really was insane. But you know, as I say, these things. They get big really quickly and they have to die. They can't, they can't maintain that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then what happens is people get jealous or people want to take over and yeah, yeah. there you go. And, and, and very quickly, those beautiful things are no longer beautiful. I think, I think a lot, lots of ways that you're, you're lucky that you were whipped up into this madness of all this stuff. Well, uh, what moments have there been where you're looking at your surroundings or what you're involved in thinking, have you, like, do you have them pinch yourself? I have them all the time. All the time, it's like people go, "Oh, what's the best part you've ever played?" I'm like, "It's not happened yet." Yeah, do you know what I mean? Because they get better and better. They really do. Things just—I have these magical. Even moments. now, still, like even, even now, yeah. yeah, more so now than ever. Yeah, you know, I've got residency at high, and I'm like, I'm there on a Friday, and I'm thinking, "What the fuck?" Yeah, you know, at 56 to have a, an IB for residency. Yeah, you know, that doesn't happen. You know, yeah. I th I truly believe that if I didn't have the 28 years of drug abuse in the middle. Right, I don't know where I would be. Most of those people from that era are either stacking shelves now yeah. or doing retro gigs. Do you know what I mean? I, I think and there's because you've got, got but if, then people who don't survive through that abuse. I mean, if you can come through to the other side or something like that, yeah, it must make some things ten times as special. Well, you know, it? for me, I don't take things for granted anymore. I just yeah. think that it's, it's all really special. I still struggle with uh, imposter syndrome. I still believe that I shouldn't, I don't deserve to be doing what I do. Sometimes yeah. I, I struggle with the opposite of that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've got a little cock. <laughs> <laughs> really, no, no, no. I got nervous. But you know what? Come yeah. on, show them that. For the Patreon. But you know what I'm saying to you? It's that whole like, you know, I had those pinch me moments. I, there's been like moments where I've been flying somewhere and I'm sitting up the front of the plane and not down the back where I used to be. Yeah. And I, and those type, those things change and I don't take that for granted. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I, I think, wow, fuck. 
Do you know what yeah. I mean? And then I get to where I'm going and I think everyone hates me. They're going to hate my music. That They've flown me in for, I'm going to be a biggest way. And I have to over, I have to start over trying to compensate things to try and overcome that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's very bizarre. I still have those moments. And then I have moments where I'm in someone, like I did Donatella, like the first time I worked for Donatella. I was in her house. And I'm like standing there, and, they, and she comes in, and she's like, like Donatella oh, Versace. Yeah, Versace, not one of their turtles. Uh, no, <laughs> I was thinking the same shit, <laughs> girl, you, but so, I was like, I'm not going to ruin, I'm not going to ruin the flow of this conversation with you. We both it. had fucking turtle <laughs> wallpaper while this was going on. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you met a turtle. Yeah. <laughs> that was a psychosis say, one. Yeah, I do know. But yeah. I was like yeah. in her house, and I'm just thinking, yeah. what the fuck? How did I get here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Five years ago, I was picking up dog butts outside Vogue. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I knew they always had really big cigarette butts <laughs> outside there because people would be smoking and have to rush back into it. That kind of mentality and suddenly being there and being shifted from being homeless with no teeth to actually doing Donatella Versace's house. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So did you go, did you go? Mad. Did you nick anything from Donatella I didn't need to nick it. She'd give you it all. Yeah. That's, that's the beauty of it. So when did the stealing stop? Oh, the stealing. Yeah. I'd still like to, I'd love yeah. to steal now. What's all that equipment, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> There's cameras in here. I reckon when I started paying tax, <laughs> it started, it stopped. Oh, seriously. Do you know what I mean? Up to that point, I used to be like, I'd be in Sainsbury's and I'd be like, ah, oh, I'm not paying for cheese. Yeah. And I'd put the cheese in my pocket. Yeah, no, I'd still love. I'd still do it now. If yeah, I we, it's come it. up a lot on this podcast. It's a, we do, everyone says it's a buzz, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> like no, it's the, we've said, you know well, I mean? take the piss with prices. I'm gonna take the piss back. Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent, totally. Yeah. You know what? It's like filling up mini bars and all that shit. It's like yeah. like put, keeping your finger on it, just like turning, drinking it, filling up water, and getting someone to fill it up and putting it back on. Yeah, yeah. So because you've got like the the thirty second divider thing, if yeah. you take your finger off of it, the weight ones, all that shit. I, I love doing all that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So did you, you know, you talk about the, the down and out years. Was, yeah. that, was that, was you young and rich at one point? Oh, I was really rich at one point. And then, then you went down and out. Yeah. And then, so. So in like 85, uh, in about 95, it was actually 94, I, I got my record deal and I bought a house in just off of, it was called The Cottage on, on Russell Square, on just off Russell Square. Uh, in, in By Great Ormond Street, on Queen Square it was. Very good name, <laughs> the, the, the cottage, Queen Square, and uh, and, I, and I bought that house, you know, and I, I, you know, we were they were the motorway years, like me, Danny Ramplin, and all of those guys, such were all going up and down the motorways, earning big money, big Fucking money, well, big for money. performing, yeah, for, DJ, you know, it, we were the superstars of the time of that of that era, you know, suddenly the DJ became the Oakville, everyone all suddenly became. Is this gold. just before the super clubs? Yeah, yeah. And then we, we were making that kind of really extreme amount of money. And then I got my record deal, bought the house. I was like, fucking loaded. Yeah. Bearing in mind, I was also bankrupt at that point, but I'd never gone to face it. Because I'd lived in, uh, like this guy called Paul Raymond owed Soho. Yeah. And I lived in all these houses and never paid rent for three and a half years. Yeah. And they like they tried to make me bankrupt, like try to serve me with writs and shit. Yeah. Did he? Is he owed he like two hundred and eighty thousand. The jazz mags and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, he owned yeah. all of that. Yeah, so yeah, he, owned, yeah. he owned Paul Raymond's Review Bar. Yeah. He owned all of, all the windmill and all that. Yeah. Cool. And he owned all the sex mags. So he owned all, that's what he made his money on, on porn. That's anyway. how I used to make my money at school. I used to sell them at school. So. <laughs> not quite the same money. Yeah, not the same. Well, <laughs> kind of. I get it, though. I get the uh, enthusiasm. But he, uh, anyway, I was earning that kind of money. And then, of course, you know, that was just money that was going. And suddenly, in about 95, my boyfriend died. And that kind of was the turning point for my addiction. Yeah. 
Is that what that it was? Kind of, I think so. That was kind of where I suddenly thought, fuck this shit. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and just kind of went mental. And what was no, the kind substance of, the, of... Cocaine. Always okay. cocaine, yeah. yeah. You know, and it, it went from doing the amount that I was doing to triple the amount that I was doing. You know, um... Is that, you, just, you just don't sleep on that then? You just no, don't, you, didn't you, sleep. You just don't sleep? No, three or four days at a time. Well, you're just racking up lines all day long? Yeah, all day long. on my own. And then friends would come around, then go out. If I had to work, which I did at weekends, I'd go work off my fucking face. And, you know, become a career. Going to work off my face, become a it's, career. It's the work where you can do it, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's of course. Like, you you know, yeah. And then I'd open, like, clubs, which were allowed to stay open all night and do after-hours parties and stuff, you know. Yeah. Because it fueled what I was doing. Yeah. Did so, you have did you have shit people around you as well? Of course you know they were, I had really good people around me. Of course you have shit people around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know the level, you know all the good people in your life, they're the ones that tell you no, stop doing what you're doing. You get rid of them. But, did, but they get rid of them. They're, they're yeah, but you, that's what I'm saying. Did you get rid of the? Good of course people? I did. Right. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know you do something so bad to them that they don't want to know you. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's not something that happens by chance. Yeah. It's it's. It's easier for them to not want to talk to you than it is for you to get rid of them. So we do like, you don't show up five times for dinner. Yeah. You you let them down. You borrow money off them and don't give them back. All those stupid things, right? Yeah. And that kind of people, oh, I can't have it with him right now. Yeah. They love you, but they can't have it with you because you don't want to listen to them. So they all go and then you replace them with party people. Those party people get replaced with lesser party people but but like you know and then suddenly you've got smackheads and crackheads in your house yeah that's where it goes because you're going down on this spiral. i used to describe it as like a, a really fast spiral and all the good things go out and hit the wall yeah and you're down at the bottom with all the piss yeah do you know what i mean yeah. literally and at the end of it i was hanging out with the biggest scummiest people in the world you, are, you, are, you, are you aware of it as you're doing it or you're just don't give a fuck you just you just don't give a fuck yeah. and I, I i kind of think you know i remember once my friend who owns this club in Islington called The Egg. Uh, he uh, he came up to me one time and was like, what are you doing? I was like, what? He was like, the people you're hanging around with, you wouldn't piss on them if they were on fire. And I was yeah. like, they're my mates. What are you on about? And he was yeah. like, no, they're not, Tony. They're yeah. not. And I was like, yeah, they are. And they weren't. You know, and then, so when I actually got to that point where I went into rehab and I and I said to everyone I'm going into rehab, they were, you know... They all dispersed very quickly because you no longer suddenly you can't you're no longer their their meal ticket you're no longer their ways and means for them to get more or you know you're no longer the party yeah and you know it's that I think the biggest thing you ever do in life is when you have that realization that you're not the party you're actually there to facilitate a party and help a party. That's was, it, was you carrying the money? Money still at that time? Is that what it was as well? Well, you know, I I I would earn still big money, but I would end up in the worst places on earth. Because it made me feel better about myself. Yeah. They were, I had to go to really low levels just to feel normal. Yeah. So was you um, with with, addic with addiction is that thing? Because at the beginning was it I'm going to do this because it ma it feels fun, and then is it, it does it switch into like to stop being well, it's a thin sad, line between like, there's a thin line between use and abuse, right? Right. When you cross that line, you start to abuse things. Yeah. So when it goes really wrong and really dark. I, don't, I, I ain't got a problem with people that use drugs and I, I, I'm quite jealous of them yeah. because I can't use drugs because yeah, I, I will abuse far. drugs. I'll, I can't drink because I will abuse alcohol. Yeah. I don't have a stop button. Yeah. You know, I, I, I work a 12-step program, whatever, but I'm 15 half years clean because of the things I don't do, yeah. not the things I do do, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, and people go, oh, don't you struggle with it when you're at work? And I'm like, no, because my life's so fucking good. Yeah, yeah. 
that I know if I have one drink, it's over. It's game over. Yes. It's not like, oh, you know, it'll have one drink and I'll, I'll just drink at dinner or I'll just drink when I go out sociably. I don't go. I when I drink, I don't. I'm not sociable. <laughs> yes, yeah, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. There's no, nothing sociable about Tony when I drink. Yeah, you know. So therefore, I, I choose not to do that stuff. So when was the um, when, when was the turning point where it's like I got to sort this out? Because it, it got really bad, didn't it? Like, oh, it got really, really bad. Yeah. I mean, I literally, I, I, I discovered a new drug uh, towards the end after like uh, about 14 years in. Uh, no, about 14 years in. About um. About twenty six years into using drugs, yeah. I found a new drug that my this this that I met a new ki- a new a new kid a new boy yeah. friend and he he lived in the states and he kept bringing it over with him. And it was a, a new drug that I hadn't tried before and he was like, oh, you got to try this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm not, I, you know I heard the horror stories about crystal meth. Yeah. And I was like, nah, it's not for me. Yeah. Until like four o'clock in the morning, I was like, we got any of that meth? Goldia. Yeah. Within like hours, yeah, it wasn't a matter of like, oh, I only do it once. Within hours, I was clearing out people's houses. And, Fucking hell, mate! Uh, within hours, and uh, and you know that's when. And within a year, I had no teeth left. I'd pulled them all no out. No teeth. Uh, I'd see it. Why'd you pull them out? Because I had animals living in my mouth. That's what I. Oh, thought. you thought? Oh, yeah. You know, the psychosis was like. Yeah. I would. I always bite my nails anyway, so yeah. I do. I had yeah. my fingers in my mouth constantly. And I would dig at my gums and pull up my teeth, and I worked them all loose. And one by one, I would break them off. And where I'd been so dehydrated and so fucking coke fucked for years, my gums had all receded, and they were always getting infected. Yeah. And then there was other factors which you'll read about in the book, which yeah. kind of changed everything. Yeah. And when I got ill, without realizing I was ill, thinking it was just the drink and the drugs, it went. It took a really, a really, really dark turn, and I'd become really, really ill. And then <clears throat> ended up in hospital on life support. Um, was in a coma for about three or four months. From uh, and at that point in time, I had full blown AIDS without yeah. knowing it. That's and real. they basically put me in a coma because it was in my brain. And my mum had the foresight to speak to one of the doctors there. They'd given me. They called all my family in to do the last rites because they said, "Look, you know, you've got to prepare yourself because yeah. it had gone so severe." And um. It was really, you know, I, I, my mum had spoken to this guy called Professor Gazard, who was like a very, very, uh, he did all the research back in the day. And he said, he, he, he said, we've got this drug that we want to try him on. Right. We're going to pump him full of it. Would you consent it? And, uh, you know, my mum was probably one of the most incredible things that she's ever done in her life, gave the consent for them to do it. Because most, mo- most mothers would be like, no, we don't because of the side effects. Yeah. My mum was she read the side effects. She was like, okay, can't be worse than what's going on right now. Yeah. And they pumped me full of these drugs. And within three weeks, I was fully awake and back to normal um, and wanting drugs again. For fuck's sake. I was outside the hospital with a gown on, with a drip in my arm, waiting for the dealer to arrive. Yeah. It's all in that book. But, you know, um, you know, but that couldn't stop me. Nothing could stop me doing drugs. Nothing. And then one night, <laughs> keeping it short, one night I was in a club called The Cross, which uh, was in King's Cross, funnily enough. And I was sitting rocking backwards and forwards, which is what I did normally, yeah. thinking I was like sane. And I had one tooth left at the bottom of my mouth and I was like playing with the tooth. And uh, that day I'd already broken into my ex-boyfriend, into my boyfriend's house, because he'd kicked me out a week before. Yeah. 
and I waited for him. I, I hid in a portaloo across the road. The scaffolders were put, doing work. I waited for him to go out, and I broke, burgled his house, stole his jeans and changed of clothes and his money, as you do. And off I went. And then he turned up that night at the club, and I, that very guy who just met outside, oh, yeah, 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 Edna, yeah, yeah. he was there. He was the person that came to me and went, James is here. And I was like, what? And he was like, he's here. And I was like, and for years, he'd gone to the clubs that I was always in and said to the people, you're going to find him dead on the floor. You know, what do you, you know, you're going to blood on your hands. And I'd be like, bar him, he's fucking mental. Yeah. And he'd drag me out of the DJ box and fight me all the time. The amount of times I've been strangled with my own fucking headphone wires, <laughs> right, and with black eyes that carried on DJing. Like a super trooper. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, he turned up and I just thought, I can't do this tonight. And I remember looking at him thinking, please don't start. Yeah. And I thought, how's he in here? He's been barbed. It was just one of those things he should not have been there. Right. And and he came over to me and instead of like the usual look at the state of you, you can't or punch him in the back of the head like you normally would. Yeah. He literally just said, What happened to you? Yeah. And man. it makes me want to cry straight away Did that hurt or did that like cut and get a lot more than, of than course. yeah. So it's, it's it was the moment it was you know what it was? It, it was the it was the moment that changed my life. Was that it? That, that, that was, was the thing. That was a tipping point. That was it. Yeah. It's like when your parent goes, I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. Yeah, that's and totally. And it kind of, it really, it, it's because you're expecting Yeah, anger. I was expecting him to punch me in the head or yeah. start biting, and I, and it wasn't. And it was there was pity. no judgment in it. It was pity or like. No, it wasn't not, even pity. Was it? You know what it was? It was there was compassion. Compassion. Yeah. Yes. And and pity's the wrong word because pity I no, dined right. out yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. I love pity. You know, I used to tell, my, tell people my dad died every week. My dad died six times. Do you know what I mean? People <laughs> yeah. go, your dad's all, your didn't your dad die? I'm like, no, it's my stepdad. Yeah. I'd lie about everything. You know? Yeah. But so I, I was a big one for pity. I love the pity part and I love to be a victim. But you know, that night there was compassion and I hadn't seen that for a very long time from anyone. And I just think that that was the moment that the pilot light went back on. Because up to that point, all I ever thought about every day was dying. I thought about my own funeral, thought about planning, planning my own funeral. I'd planned it all. Yeah. Do you think there's certain times where like, so, cause I've suffered with addiction and stuff yeah. like that as well. Like when you, when you, when, the, you need the right moment for someone to show you compassion as well. A hundred percent. It's like, a God given it's a God given moment. Sometimes your friends are there and they're doing the right things, but you, you But you're you not should, ready. Yeah. You have to be ready. There's no point, and I say this to people all the time, interventions don't work. They make people go underground. You know, they, we, we we as addicts, we, we will we will tick boxes for you at the same time we'll be crossing boxes underneath the table. You know, we this is what we do. We you know, you try to do an intervention with someone say, Oh, you need to stop, you look at the state of you. You're gonna fuck those people off like I did. We get rid of those people. Yeah. We don't want those people around us. So what should people They're do if they, if they have got someone with it? Oh, if someone's got about. a problem, you yeah. care about them, show, carry on supporting them. Right. Support them. You don't have to agree with what they do. Yeah. But just be there and ready for when they need that. So just make it very clear and just say, Listen, we all know what's going on for you. All right, you know, do you understand what's going on for you? Have that conversation with them. Don't judge them. Don't say, oh, you're out of control. You look a mess, blah, blah, blah. Don't go on that level. Go there with compassion. Show them love, right? It won't go, it won't, you'll walk away from it thinking, I don't know why I just did that. Yeah. And then six months, eight months, nine months, you might get a phone call. Not always, you, but you might get that phone call and say, you know what? I really need to talk to you. Just always be at the other end of the phone for them. And be ready because there, there will come a time when, even if it's on a Tuesday, where they go, I don't want to do this anymore. That's when you go in for the kill and you say, Listen, I can help you now. Yeah. Let's take you and let's do this. I'll be with you all the way. Because, you know, addiction is the most loneliest place on, on, there is. 
because what it does is it wants us locked in a room killing ourselves it wants us dead it doesn't want us to take us on holiday it doesn't want to take us out and buy new trainers it wants us in a room killing ourselves yeah and that's what it wants and that's 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 the goal at the end of it so if, and we're always on our own and we always think no one gets me no one cares show that you care just show that person some love. I think that's it's very really valuable simple. advice. See, people, I don't think people know that. I don't think because I mean, I've had it in my family with addiction and stuff. I remember being young and just getting frustrated and angry, and it never worked. And it, it got worse if anything yeah. when you get when you get like that. So, I think that is a. That's, I've never knew that. I've never, I mean, look, if you ever walked that. past someone on the street and they're begging and you've stopped to talk to them, have you seen how grateful they are for, for that conversation? Right. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying, Joe? You know, it's, it's not all not all people begging or, or, or homeless people want you to talk to them because they they've got, got they've got mental health yeah. or whatever. But there's always the one that you, you can see and you think, hang on, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to show him some love. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And go and go and get him a sandwich and a bottle of cider or whatever it is they need at that moment. You know, instead of just walking away, because you know what, I, the way I look at it is, they're human you know, beings. They yeah. are, but also primarily, right? That homeless person that you just blanked on the street and and looked at with disgust could actually one day save your child's life. End of story. I was that homeless person on the street, right? Today I help try my best to help save people's lives, and and that's the bottom line of it. Yeah. You know, it's all very well where we all walk by and we judge. Oh my God, look at them! They deserve to be there. They obviously, don't want to get. You know, why don't get a job? Yeah. You're not in any state to get a fucking I, job. I, I find that where you go, when, say if you don't have any money, if you've got any change, you're sorry, mate, I don't, but if you actually acknowledge it, you always get a thank you, no worries. Totally. You, you get that, don't you? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, just, totally. Because uh, you know how many times they've been ignored? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for you to acknowledge them is it, such a big thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's such a, a, a massive thing. Yeah, yeah. You know. But you're, um, you're doing well now, though, Tony. I'm doing very you're well. You're looking all right, mate. Yeah, oh, thanks. Thinking, all right, having it, DJ. And I'm not wearing baby blue. Oh, leave it alone, man. And I couldn't leave it alone. <laughs> but I, um, it's funny because, well, like, this is a bit of a difference for this podcast. Yeah, because all this is funny, isn't it? Yeah, you know, we're we're fucking depressed the whole... No, like, it's fine, like, man, because we have a deeper... It's, there's more to... You know, we have a deeper conversation. But the funny thing is when, like, we have, like, stock questions on this podcast, like, and it's like, uh, have you ever shit yourself? Okay. What's the most embarrassing thing you've ever done? What, what's the most drunk you've ever been? And you have to literally, I think, listen to the first two sentences of your book. Yeah. It's about a time you shat yourself. The book, the book beaten starts up. with it. It was 6.30 in the morning. I'd already shat myself. <laughs> At Fabric on the stairs, yeah. I used to, listen, I shit myself all the time. I still shit myself. I'm fucking 15. <laughs> years the, other, the other day I was on the sofa and I just got ready to go out and I was sitting on the phone and I... And I sharted, yeah, and yeah. I literally jumped up, and I yeah. shit all down my like, beige jeans. <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I literally yeah. ran up. Yeah. You know, I'm one of these people that like to do new diets. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, so like, this week's juicing, or yeah. like, <laughs> oh no, of course, like, juicing oh, no. has consequences. Yeah. Tony, Tony's relapse. No, no, he always shits himself. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> seriously, <It's fine. laughs> seriously, you know. I'm a gay man, yeah. kind of come second nature. <laughs> but you know, it, but it, it, it's just it. Yeah. Shitting yourself. Yeah. That's another one yeah. that people always struggle yeah. with telling about. But, no, but, no, but no, like, who, who hasn't had a th- who hasn't sharted? That what that it's literally the point of this podcast. That was joking. Is that that is uh, what I'm trying to do, right? We live in a world. It's a bit. It gets a bit deep. I know it's just people talking about shit themselves and stupid stories. But we do live in a world that's so segregated. Everyone's against each other all day. Oh my god! But as human beings, we've all shit ourselves. We've all embarrassed ourselves. So let's get on and talk about it. So listen, and it just and it's like a unifying I do it thing. All the time. You know, a shit my, in the pants is a unifying you know thing. One is pissing. So pissing's my worst one. So I will drink water or drink Coca Cola or whatever I'm at work. I have to stop the car twenty times on the way back. I'm terrible for it. As soon as I get in a car. 
I'm like, I gotta go piss. Yeah, yeah. I piss, gotta go piss. And um, I'm very blessed these days. I have a driver who like drives me everywhere for work. And uh, I'm like, oh, you gotta start getting bottles in the bed. You got bottles in the car. Because <laughs> I used to jump out, I'd pull over. I've got a really good action. Oh no, I'll tell you this one, this story, you'll like this one. So well, this is the biggest name dropping story, shit story you're gonna get, right? Ever right. on here. So you might as well fucking roll in it. Like, have a, it. like a dog rolling in fox shit, right? <laughs> Literally. So I was in I was in Miami. I went over to do Dave, David Beckham's uh, party for a launch with Adidas. So they flew me over and it's me, Pharrell, uh, Dave Beckham, and a guy called uh, who, uh, Dave Gardner, who's Dave Beckham's manager, like right. best friend. Anyway, we we just done the party at Soul House, and I, we were all going off to this part to Prada. We were having a party down at the, on the south, on, further down South Beach. So we're all in the car, and you know when you get that feeling in your stomach where someone's punched you in the stomach, and you think, "Oh my god, oh, oh my god, I'm going to shit myself." <laughs> you know that stomach cramp feeling. You know the one <laughs> the where you just got the worst cramp, and you're like, "Any minute now, I'm going to erupt." And you sit there trying to hold it, and you're like. I'm, it's just going to explode. Right? <laughs> so I'm sitting there and, I, and Dave Gardner's sitting next to me and I, I'm like, Dave, uh, Pharrell's in the front and Dave Beckham's outside. <laughs> oh, I'm like, I'm like I just shit myself. And he's like, what? I said, he's like, what? I'm like, Paul, we need to stop the car. I'm going to shit myself. And, and we hadn't moved. We were in traffic. And you know, they, like, there's a bit of grass in the middle of the road with bushes and then the, the, on the freeway. And then the other side, there's like, the, like in between the motorway. Yeah. I just flew out the car, threw the door open, went out. Luckily, I came out and I know how to aim. I literally jumped into the bush, right? I literally shat, like, right? Right, wiped my arsey leaves and got back in the car. And I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, right? And Dave Beckham goes, kiss my shit. <laughs> and I'm like, what? He's like, kiss my shit. And I'm like that, sitting there, nah. And obviously, David told everyone. And I was like, hey man, I can smell shit. <laughs> and I'm like sitting there thinking, fuck. I said, I said what'd you get out? Do you have a shit? I can smell shit. You covered the shit. You're taking the fucking shit. And I'm like sitting there like this, sitting there thinking, oh my God. And it starts again. And I'm like, so anyway, they, they're all like doing shit jokes and everything. Really shit jokes. They're worse than shit jokes than your jokes, right? <laughs> oh, and he goes, he gets out. So anyway, I'm sitting in the car and I'm like, they're all going, uh, I said, I need to go back to the hotel. I'll meet you at the party. So they all go in and I'm sitting in the car and I'm like holding my stomach and it's bubbling away, ready to go again. And I'm like sitting there and the woman's like, yeah, so did you come to Miami? And I'm like, listen, sweetheart, I really need to get to the hotel. She was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she started talking to me and I literally started feeling it coming out. And I was like, and she's, I'm like, how much further to the hotel? She's like, oh, it's about... 10 yards, it's there, sir. I thought you were waiting for me to drop you off at the front door. <laughs> I ran, and as I'm running through the entrance to the addition, have you ever been to the addition in Miami? No. All white. Right. All white. Everything's white marble. Yeah. I'm running through the foyer. <laughs> it's not a good, not a good combo for what I'm you're I'm running through the combo uh, for the uh, <laughs> foyer, and pfft, all down my legs, all over the floor, all over the white marble floor, through my shorts. Shat all over the reception <laughs> all over the reception and i literally ran to the lift and there was like a trowel of shit behind me to the lift and it, it was one of those shits that really stank because it was like i'd had prawn i'd had oh, prawns at lunch like shrimp and like literally i was in my room anyway i got showered and got dressed and went to the party and they were like just like what happened i was like i don't man and that, that was it but that's my shit joke but pissing i've got uh, you know i, I piss I, I literally can't hold it when I want to go. I'm, I think I'm at that age. I drink so many fucking, so much like coke and shit that I like literally. 
to have to piss. I'll, I'll, I'll be DJing and I'm pissing in a bottle like that all the time. <laughs> and then putting it underneath the decks for the next DJ to drink. But like, it's, you know, oh. I did, but, oh, free apple juice. Yeah, literally, <laughs> you know that. Carrot juice. Uh, <laughs> back in the day. But, uh, but yeah, no. Pissing and shitting. Not a problem. Right. That is it this week for the public episode. But if you want to hear the rest of my conversation with DJ Fat Tony, then you can listen on Patreon. Uh, we ended up getting right into this conversation and recording for an hour and a half. Uh, so if you want to hear the rest of the interview, head over to patreon.com forward slash Jack Skipper and you can listen to that there. Um, you'll also get access to my weekly podcast that I do with my brother. Let's get to the extra good stuff. Uh, you'll get my solo podcast and early access to the main podcast. Uh, you get all that for three pounds a month. That's, you know, say half a lager a month. And any pledges uh, made go back into the podcast so we can you know, keep growing, keep developing it. I'm enjoying it. I hope you are too. And thank you to everyone who signed up so far. We, uh, we're building a lovely community for fans of the podcast. So thank you. And thank you guys so for listening thank you to anyone who's reviewed shared given the five stars it all really helps uh, and i really appreciate it right that's all for this week uh we'll be back next week see you all soon take care